Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 205. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, before we break into today's episode, I want to tell you about episode 208. Now, if you're quick with math, 208 divided by 52 is four. Episode 208, which is coming out in three weeks, will be our fourth anniversary of this podcast. It's been 200, it will be 208 weeks since we released episode one way back in November of 2012. And I want to do something special to celebrate 208. And that requires you. But there's a little bonus kicker here. I want to have a contest. And in that contest, I want to give away some things. I want to give away some mock interview prep with me, a four pack of mock interview prep. I'll also probably give away a single session. Um, I want to give away personal statement editing. I want to give away some of my mock interview courses and I want to I want to give away a lot. So if you are interested in winning some mock interview prep with me or personal statement editing from me or my interview course or whatever I have coming down, we can even figure it out afterwards too. I say, hey, you won, what do you want? Then here's what you need to do. Leave me a review in iTunes or leave this podcast a review in iTunes. Medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Take a screenshot of that review. If you've already left one, don't worry. Just take a screenshot of the review that you've already left. All right, save that screenshot. We're going to use it later. I want you to post on Facebook, on your own personal Facebook, the best way, the best way of getting this podcast out to more people, which is the goal. Collaboration, right? Collaboration, not competition. I don't want you to hoard this podcast and, and keep it your secret. So the best way to do that is let your friends know. And your friends are probably friends with you on Facebook. And a lot of pre-meds have other friends who are pre-meds. So go onto your Facebook page, post. I will tell you specifically what to write by going to medicalschoolhq.net slash contest. Go there and it'll have a, a snippet of what you should write. Make it easy for you. Take a screenshot of that post. 
and tag medical school headquarters too if you know how to do that. That'd be awesome. So leave a review on Facebook or, or post uh, on Facebook. Leave a review in iTunes. Take screenshots of that. Make sure, make sure you are in our Facebook group, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. And after you fill out the form over at medicalschoolhq.net slash contest, fill out that form, upload your two screenshots. On the 208th episode, so you have three weeks to do this, three weeks max, On uh, for episode 208, I will talk about the winners on that podcast. So they have to be in before 208 comes out. And actually, let's let's set a deadline here. So 208 will be out on, doing some quick math here, on November 16th. So let's make the deadline for all of this November 14th. All right? So November 14th at... 12 midnight, which I guess would be the 15th, um, these need to be submitted so that I can actually record the episode and get it submitted for Wednesday the 16th. So medicalschoolhq.net slash contest will tell you all the details. Go there. I would love to give away some stuff as you spread the news of the medical school headquarters and the pre-med years hitting four years of podcasting. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today, I had the awesome opportunity to talk to Hanan. Now, I learned about Hanan from Hala, who I had on the on the podcast a couple episodes ago, back in session 201. If you haven't listened to that, Hala is the founder of Physician Moms Group, which is a Facebook group which has over 600, or 600, 600,000, Hala would love that. It has over uh, 62,000 female physicians who are moms or trying to be moms in that group. And they are doing more than just hanging out and talking. They are changing things for every future physician. And Hala posted that podcast episode on her personal Facebook page. And Hanan chimed in and said, great podcast episode, or you're awesome, Hala, which everybody agreed with. Hala's awesome. And and Hala mentioned that Hanan has three kids, is a first-year medical student, and is an NP. Or I guess we can say was an MP at this point. But once, once an MP, always an MP. So very interesting I, I immediately reached out to Hanan. I said, ooh, sounds like an interesting podcast episode. An awesome non-traditional story from being a nurse to having three kids and now entering medical school. And so this conversation was awesome. A lot of great information came out of it. So without further ado, let's say hello to Hanan. Hanan, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to talk to you because you have a degree already and a a specialty, if you want to call it that, as a nurse practitioner, but now you're in medical school. So with that, I want to know why you became a nurse in the first place. All right. Well, so I was actually pre-med in undergraduate school, 
And um, when that was happening, like in my senior year of college, I did a biology undergraduate degree. Um, there was a lot of kind of personal stuff going on. My mom, who was a single mom, got really ill. And I was kind of a primary caretaker for my younger siblings and her as well and her illness. And um, started thinking a lot about, you know, applying to medical schools and potentially leaving the area and my role in my family at the time. And and then I started thinking about, of course, too, all the stigmas that going along with being a woman in medicine and having children and going to medical school and residency and all that. And I, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say chickened out is the right word, but it just didn't feel like the right time of my life to make a major transition. So I was introduced to the nurse practitioner field and I decided to apply and see what happened. And I ended up getting in right away to a very um, high rated and competitive program. So I thought that, Hey, I guess this is what's supposed to happen. So I pursued that. Um, and that is how I became a nurse practitioner. Interesting. So you, so you didn't start off thinking, Oh, I want to be a nurse. And then went down that path and said, Oh, I think I want to be a nurse practitioner. Now you, you initially were pre-med and your fallback after everything happened said, well, maybe a nurse practitioner is, is quote unquote good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so as you're, as you're going, I, I'm sure that many people listening to this can relate with those same struggles that you had going through college saying, you know what, I, I want to be a doctor and then family obligations coming up and kind of derailing that. How did you go about seeking guidance when you're in the middle of that? Or did you just go about it on your own? So I did a little bit of talking to counselors and things at school, but nobody in my family or any of my friend circles were in the medical field at all. So I didn't really have a lot of people that I could talk to about it. And it was just kind of what I knew in my own head or what I could Google about what it was like to go through medical school. Um, I didn't really have a lot of support. And I think that's kind of what got me derailed is I didn't really know. I was just making assumptions about how medical school would be. And that's kind of what derailed me is, like I said, I don't want to say I chickened out, but I, I that's part of it as I chickened out. <laughs> like it's hard when you're going through this process. And, and you said as a, as a female and this stigma involved as a female physician, especially with kids, you, I, I'm assuming you, you didn't have a mentor or somebody, a role model that was a female physician with kids that you could go, oh, she did it so I can do it too. That's correct. I didn't have a role model in the medical field at all. So I had no idea how it was going to be. And this was, you know, back in 2009 is when I graduated with my biology degree. So there wasn't, you know, as much all over the internet and and these wonderful podcasts like you have and all this, uh, these other like outside support systems that I had access to, or maybe there was, and I just didn't know about them. Did you go to a large... Uh, I, I guess it doesn't really matter if it's a large school, but did you go to a school with, with a strong science um, background and, and pre-med advising? I did, actually. I went to a school that has a medical school. <laughs> I went to um, UC Irvine, okay. University of California, Irvine. So Okay. And so do you think the, the resources are there? Do you think you just didn't seek them out appropriately or you did and got bad advice? I think I probably did not seek them out appropriately. 
and the advisor that I did have um, was, I don't think that they were well-versed either in the kind of personal aspects of being in medical school in terms of lifestyle and being a, a female and wanting to have children. I don't think that they were well-versed in really any of the, the uh, medical school issues like that. Yeah. Did you have kids already at that point or was that just family planning for the future? That was family planning for the future because I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but even more so I knew I wanted to be a mom. Okay. Interesting. So you, you, I, I wouldn't call it chicken out either. Um, I, I would say that you, you just, you didn't have that role model in your life to, to mentor you and support you in your decision and, and, and give you the confidence to, to tell you that you could do it. So right. you didn't chicken right. out. <laughs> I, I like it. I didn't check it out. <laughs> so you, you go to an NP program and at what point in this NP journey did you say, this is not what I want to do with my life? So the NP program that I went to it was the first half of it was an RNBSN and the second half of it was a MSN nurse practitioner. Um, so after the the RNBSN portion, I actually started working. I was working as an EMT through the RN part. And then through the NP part, I was working as an RN. So my learning curve was kind of increasing. And then when I got to the NP part, I realized, okay, that's it. There's no more. There's nothing else. Well, there's always something else to learn in medicine. But that, that that's the end of my education. And I felt like I didn't have a good enough background to be appropriately treating patients of high acuities. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to do high acuity stuff. So I knew fairly early on that I probably wasn't going to be satisfied with the amount of education and then my abilities within the amount of education that I got within the medical field. Talk about that for a minute. The, the high acuity side, is that the, the EMT experience in you wanting to run around and chase ambulances and trauma patients? So I actually became an EMT because I wanted <laughs> because I wanted to do that, and the EMT job just kind of solidified that. Um, and family practice and internal medicine and all that's great and it's necessary, but it's not. I knew it wasn't for me. I knew that I like I wanted to see more acute patients. Um, I just like the the aspect of emergency medicine or emergency surgery or trauma surgery or anything that has to do with an acutely ill person a lot more than I do with chronic illness. So. I think that I found out very early on that the nurse practitioner is not really um, the route to take to deal with really, really acute patients. So you have this epiphany that said, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not where I should be. Uh, after, uh, I'm sure, some quick soul searching, because this was the original path that you set out for anyway, what next steps did you take to to find a mentor maybe and, and find some guidance to actually start on your journey to applying to medical school? So the job that I had while I was an NP was in an academic hospital. So there was a lot of residents and attendings that were teaching residents and medical students. And I burned their ears off with my questions and um, my situation and just used them for three years talking to them about, you know, different situations. And I saw people with different coming from different backgrounds that were going through medical school. And I met a, a lady who was in her fifties, who was a third year medical student. Um, and just realized that I had been very close minded about the possibilities 
within medical school, being a medical student and a non-traditional medical student. I met people that had kids. I met people that this was their third career. I met people who were straight out of college. And then I realized it's not all what people think it is like you're graduate college at 22 and then you go into medical school at 23 and then you're done by 27 and you go into residency and you're done by the time you're in your thirties. That's not how it always is. And I think that working at that institution and around all of those residents and interns and medical students really opened my eyes to that. And I realized that, Hey, I can do this. By that point I had a husband and had two kids at that point, but I, you know, we saw that there were many other medical students that had spouses and children and other things going on in their lives. And it wasn't completely out of, um, out of the ordinary. You said you're, you're working in this academic center for three years. Why did you not leave your program or stop working and just try to get into medical school right away? So the first year of being a nurse practitioner, having had only had about two years of RN experience while I was in school was pretty overwhelming and the amount of information that I was intaking and trying to learn how to do my job. So I think that I was just so overwhelmed by all this information that I, that first year I didn't really think about it. And then it was really the second year that of my working as a nurse practitioner that I was like, Hey, okay, I'm a little bit more comfortable. And I realized that I don't know everything that I should know to take care of the people that I want to take care of. And even like the chronic conditions, you know, how to recognize them, you know how to diagnose them, but you don't know as in depth of like the pathophysiology and and things that the the medical students even the, around me did, and I felt almost inadequate. So you, at some point, you go, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. Talk about the discussions that you had with your husband, and I'm assuming you're you're child at that point was too young to have a conversation with, yeah. with him or her. But what, obviously, with kids going through this process, leaving a, a job and, and training that you're going through, there are a lot of decisions that need to be made, especially, obviously, you, you can't always get into the, the school that's right around the corner from you. So conversations about moving and, and his job and well, how did that go down? So I remember very well the day that it's just the switch went off in my head of, I need to do this. I just need to. I was working at 12 to 12 shift and I got off at 12 and I went home and my husband always waits on the couch until I get home. And uh, I woke him up and I said, I have to tell you something. And he jumped up thinking that something happened. And I told him, I want to go to medical school. And he was so excited. I I thought I was going to get some pushback. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? you want to go to medical school, like we're, you know, stable and we've got kids, but he was so excited. So we, I was like, well, let's leave this for another day when you're awake and functional (laughs) and we'll talk about it more. And what we did is we kind of just gave ourselves, um, steps along the way. So I had to redo a couple of, um, prerequisite courses so that I could take the MCATs. So I told, you know, that was our kind of our first roadblock, if you will. I said, you know, we'll take these prerequisite courses. And if I don't do at least as well, if not better than I did the first time, then that's probably not going to look good. So we'll stop there. So I did those and I did well. And then I gave myself another roadblock, like I'll take the MCAT twice. But if I am continuing not to do well, then maybe it wasn't supposed to happen. So I took the MCAT once and I did pretty decently. So I was like, all right, well, we'll apply for two cycles. And we decided to apply in the state that we live in. Um, and then the state that my 
I had other families in and just kind of where we had support system because we did have kids and we do need people around us. And I said, well, if it doesn't, if I don't get in in two cycles, then I think that we'll just put this behind us. And I applied and I got in first cycle. So everything just kind of, just kind of happened in a very easy manner for us. So that's kind of, that's how we approached it. We said, if it, it gets too difficult or there's too many roadblocks then maybe it's still not supposed to happen. And uh, all along the way, he's supporting you, which is fantastic. What about your work? Did you spill the beans to anybody at work that you were taking this next step? I did not spill the beans to anybody until I had done well on the MCATs. And then it was just close people around me that I trusted. I did not spill the beans to administration until I had gotten into medical school and I knew for sure I was leaving because I did not want them to <laughs> replace me. I didn't know for sure that I was going to go. But I had some close people around me, um, some of the attendings that I worked closely with that were acting as mentors at the time, and then some of my fellow nurse practitioners and PAs um, that I worked with that I would just kind of bounce ideas off of and tell them about interviews and things. And um, some people I had that would, you know, revise my personal statement with me and um just a close kind of bunch of people that I was talking to along the way. But then when I was hitting the major milestones, then I would kind of talk to more people because I realized, Hey, this might be more of a real, a realism than I realized it's going to be. The, the school that you got into, is it, is it the same academic center that, that you were working at? No, I got into the same academic center that I was working at, but I decided to go to someplace else because I wanted to, I, I knew how, like, at least a lot of the residents and the type of education they got and the the feedback that they had with that medical school, and I think I wanted to see what another place would be like. Okay, that's good. The You did get into the, the center where you were working and, and training at. Did Did the relationships that you had there, did you use those relationships in any way to, to help bolster your your application to that school. Yes. And that school actually asked because they're very into um, community there. So they like you to have established ties within the community. So they asked me if I had any ties and I did use that in my application. Um, But that's kind of where it stopped because once you hit the interview process, you have to disclose anybody that, you know, in the, if you know, in the interviewers, which I knew most of them, they weren't allowed to be a part of that process. Yeah. But I'm I'm assuming they put in a good word for you outside of that. I I'm assuming as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. All right. So you open up your your email and you get your acceptance. What what was going through your mind at that point? I was overwhelmed. Um, it had been something I mean being a doctor is something I wanted to do I know this sounds so cliche but it's something I wanted to do since I was like two you know I would always want doctor sets and and stethoscopes and things for my you know four-year-old birthday parties and things (laughs) and um I think that a part of me was relieved because I knew that a part of me was never happy or satisfied I guess you could say with being a nurse practitioner because that's that wasn't my dream end goal and I think that you know even though it had taken a few extra years that I was finally like, hey, this is exactly what I want to do. And I just felt 
overwhelmed and relieved and, and satisfied for the first time that really in my life that I had been satisfied with my path, my educational and career path. Yeah. So you're a first year medical student now. Yes. How do you compare the the pace of the curriculum and how stressful it is or isn't compared to the NP curriculum? So it's definitely a different pace. It's much more information and a much shorter amount of time. Um, like I said, the, there's just a lot more detail that goes into learning the diseases and the organ systems than there was in nurse practitioner school. But I'm also a few years older, so my, my learning style is a lot different. So I know how to time manage better, but I might not necessarily retain the information as well as I did three, four years ago as well. So it's kind of ups and downs with that. Your memory is not slipping that fast. <laughs> I can tell a little bit of a difference. Not, not a lot. <laughs> Although having three kids and my, my wife always talks about having baby brain and she always blames a lot of her missteps now on having a kid. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, it could. Be. I started medical school when I was nine months pregnant with my third. So I got to be have pregnant brain my whole first um, month of medical school, which was fun. And that encompassed two exams. <laughs> so <laughs> that was difficult, but it was doable. And administration really, really works with you and, and gives you any kind of accommodations you need um, time off or <clears throat> excuse me, or like I, I couldn't even sit in their lecture chairs anymore. Cause I was, you know, a house. <laughs> and um, so they, they really work with you. It's, it's again, it's not at all what I thought or the stigma of, you know, them like oh well suck it up too bad you know you chose this it's very they're very accommodating and very just uh supportive the whole way so with the, the pregnancy and the birth and the post birth and then things that happen along the way when you have kids so good it's good to know and from the the time where you talked to your husband and said i want to go to medical school now he's actually in it as a med student spouse <laughs> is he regretting that support at this point? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. He is still, you know, I'm very lucky. He's very, very, very supportive still. And I mean, our life is pretty crazy because, you know, he had to switch jobs too. We moved. We've got three kids, uh, three and under. And I'm gone all day at school, which we're not used to. But we're slowly adjusting. And he's remained as supportive as he has been three as that day three years ago when he jumped off the couch. So that's helpful <laughs> that is that is very helpful and necessary uh, yes which is i wouldn't be able to do it without a support system that's great that's for sure besides him do you have other family that is help uh helping at all so i had to move two hours away to this other school that i chose um so the closest family i have is two hours away and that's my mom but and she does come you know occasionally here and there but she also works full-time so we're, we're pretty much uh, on our own. We have a nanny that we hired, and we have some friends, very good friends that we've made so far in medical school. You make friends, friends very quickly yes. in medical school because you're around each other all the time. Yes. <laughs> and you're going kind of through the same struggles. And actually, one of my dear friends now is a, another mom, and she's a single mom of one child that is my child, children's age, around my children's age too. So that's been great too, to have somebody else that kind of knows like, Oh, my kids woke up sick this morning. That's why I was, you know, a little bit late or, you know, I've got to run cause I have to pick my kids up or just the struggles that go with being a mom in school in any type of school and especially medical school. So it can kind of relate to me more than 
than, you know, the single 22 year olds down, down the hall. (laughs) Now that you're at this stage, having gone through all of the, the steps that you've gone through, what would you tell to a male or a female that that is in undergrad at this point and is is debating do i really want to spend four years and become a doctor or should i just go and and be an np how what advice would you give them to help them make that decision talk to as many people as you can possibly talk to talk to nps talk to physicians talk to medical students and interns and residents and attendings and new attendings and old attendings and anybody that you can get your hands on because everybody will have a different outlook. And I mean, ultimately it's your decision, but in being able to look at all the different aspects of, you know, being an NP versus being a physician and what your own goals are in your own, you know, your own life, the more kind of intake you can get from as many people as you can, then the better that you are going to be able to make your own decision about what's best for you and you won't have to delay it, you know, an extra four years like I did. <laughs> and what about a nurse or, or an NP that, that is currently working and, and debating whether or not they should take that next step? Is it the same advice? Just keep, go out and talk to as many people as you can. So if you're already kind of within the medical field, I think it's a little bit easier because you almost know what you're getting yourself into. Like, you know, the struggles of being a, any, anybody in the healthcare field, really, there's this, you know, there's this appearance of physicians of having like, you know, you go and you take care of the patients and it's all happy and smiles and you go home and you relax and you go back the next day and pick it up again. And I think that anybody that works in healthcare knows that that just, (laughs) that's not always or ever the case. Ever, ever. Not so ever. I think <laughs> no, ever. <laughs> so I think that it's a little bit easier to make a transition if you're already in healthcare because you almost know what you're getting yourself into, but you still need to talk to people because, you know, you, it's just again, everybody has a different outlook. Everybody chose the the path that they're on for a certain reason and you'll have to look in yourself too and, and understand why are you really doing this? Are you doing it for the prestige and the money? Are you doing it because you want to take care of higher acuity patients? Are you doing it? What What is the reason that you're doing it? And then take it from there. Because if you're doing it for the money and prestige, you're in the wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're going to spend a lot of money before you ever make money. That ends up being the same, um, <laughs> as you probably know. But it's just what's inside of you and what what are your real intentions of wanting to go into medicine? And then does your your expectations of that is that does that really align with what's really going to happen you're in medical school now you have three kids you're you're a female do you still have a, a goal of working with the higher acuity patients or have things changed now that you have three kids and you're in this for real so i still do have a goal of um of uh, taking care of higher acuity patients within that realm though. I think that things probably are a little different because I am, you know, I don't want to say I'm old. I'm not old, but I'm a little bit older (laughs) than the the average medical student age. And I do have, you know, family obligations and kids. So I think that if I was, you know, 22, 23 again, and I want to do anything I wanted to do, I'd look into like CT surgery, transplant, trauma surgery, maybe neurosurgery, 
but those are very long roads, <laughs> seven, eight years mm-hmm. residency fellowship. So I think that just the time frame and within the acuity realm, I'd probably stick more with maybe emergency medicine, EMS, uh, maybe maybe even general surgery. It's a little, kind of in the middle. I think that just the time frame for me is a little bit different, but I still do want to do acute, like higher acuity care. Okay. What do you say to the the twenty year old Hanan that is struggling, that uh, is trying to make these decisions, and and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there, like I said, that are are in that same boat right now, listening to this. What do you say to motivate them to continue on to to follow their dream of being a physician and and not take the sidestep that you initially took? So it may seem easier now. You're just like, hey, three years and I'm done. There's no residency and I can start working and, and just kind of stabilize my life. But if it's not really what you want to do, then you're going to end up in the situation that I ended up in and have to go back and start all over again from the beginning. So just find out what it is that you really want to do. If you have your heart set in medicine and you have your heart set on being a physician, and, and you know what you're getting yourself into and you talk to people and you do your research and it's still what you want to do, then I say go for it. Because if you sidestep somewhere else and that's not that's not your end goal in life, then eventually the honeymoon phase of whatever your sidestep is will be over and you will re- likely regret it. And then you'll say, hey, I got to start all over again because I'm not just I'm not satisfied with my life. All right. That was Hanan. Amazing story. Some great information about how to trust yourself, how to find mentors to help guide you on this journey, find mentors that look like you, and I really mean look like you. If you're an underrepresented minority, if you're African-American, if you're Hispanic, any sort of Latino, whatever it is, go find a physician who looks like you so that you know that it can be done. I think that is severely lacking and and one of the reasons why we don't have enough diversity in our in our physician group as as doctors and so go find somebody like that and if you need help um, finding somebody like that email me ryan at medicalschoolhq.net and i can try to use my my resources and my connections and try to find somebody to help you and holla even talked about it in episode 201 if there's anything we can do, like 62,000 female physicians out there that I could possibly find a, a mentor for you. So shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Thank you, Hanan, for sharing your story with us. I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Elite Medical Scribes. We've talked about it a ton here t- and what you can do to improve your application, to increase your exposure to physicians, to increase your exposure to medicine, to increase your knowledge of how the medical team works, go be a scribe. And specifically, go check out Elite Medical Scribes for opportunities that they have in your area to be a scribe. You can find out everything that they have to offer at medicalschoolhq.net slash e M S for elite medical scribes. That's slash E M S. They hire you. They train you. They find a spot for you in a field maybe that you want or are thinking about going into. They have 
tons of different clinical sites, whether it's a hospital or outpatient setting, anything you need, go check them out. Medicalschoolhq.net slash EMS. Thanks, Elite Medical Scribes, for sponsoring the pre-med years. Don't forget you have until November 14th to sign up to win mock interview prep with me, personal statement editing with me, lots of stuff. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash contest and help me celebrate four years of doing the pre-med years podcast. All right, so let's wrap it up. As you move forward every day, every week, every month towards your goal of applying to and getting into medical school, keep your sights set on that goal. Stay motivated, stay confident, and always listen to the Pre-Med Years podcast.